guys? My name is Victor, and I am the host of Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. Welcome back. How are you guys doing? I did my intro like nine times, and I just can't remember what I normally say, so I just kind of bootlegged it and, and winged it. But it's all good. I am. Today, it's been. A, it's an interesting situation. All right. I'm. I'm recording. It's Friday night. The the Lightning are literally starting. So I'm a huge Tampa Bay Lightning fan. I'm a huge hockey fan, and they are about to play in about 50 minutes. And so that means I have just a short amount of time to record this podcast and get the game on my TV. I am sitting in a very messy dorm room. Uh, messy enough to where I got fined for how messy it is. That's right. Uh, so so that's fun. So I got fined for how messy my room is. The Tampa Bay Lightning are about to play. I feel sick to my stomach. It's playoff time for the NHL, and so I don't feel good. I'm super nervous. I've been drinking coffee all day. If you guys know, coffee's a laxative, so I'm really enjoying that. I got some candy because it's just like sweet and will keep my energy up. Uh, my dorm mates uh, in the other rooms hate when it's the playoffs because I get really loud and I scream and I get mad, and so that should be fun. Last year, I think I got in trouble for cussing uh, really loud, when something happened it's not my fault okay i'm a christian i love jesus i'm forgiven so so don't come at me bro don't come at me bro uh so today we are going to be diving back into louis burkoff's systematic theology and i'm really going to be taking it kind of short today um not because i'm not prepared or anything but mainly because this section kind of says it for itself it's kind of a sequel oh excuse me it's kind of a sequel from what we talked about last uh, last section. And so today we're going to be talking about the self-revelation and prerequisites of the knowledge of God. And so last week, or yeah, last week, I believe we talked about the knowledge of God and what that looks like and uh, how the knowledge of God is both, uh, you know, understandable, but also incomprehensible um, and how we are dependent on God for him to give us the knowledge of him. And so I thought that that was a really good episode. And so if you haven't checked it out yet, please, please go check it out. I think it's going to be really beneficial for you guys. Um, and it was really beneficial for me. And so I'm really going to dive in. I got a new phone this week, so that's really fun. So I'm able to use that. I got the book on my phone. It's super high tech. We're, we're hitting an age of self-driving cars and phones that have books on them. So, you know, we're in the future when a phone has a book on it. Please catch my sarcasm. So, if you guys don't know the page, we are on page 16. We are on a whole page 16. We're skipping a few sections to this one. This section begins with, God communicates knowledge of himself to man. Cooper calls attention to the fact that theology as the knowledge of God differs in an important point from all other knowledge. In the study of all other sciences, a man places himself above the object of investigation and actively elicits from it his knowledge by whatever method may seem most appropriate. But in theology, he does not stand above, but rather under the object of his knowledge. In other words, man can know God only insofar as the latter actively makes himself known. God, first of all, is the subject of communicating knowledge to man and can only become an object of study for man insofar that the latter appropriates and reflects on the knowledge conveyed to him by revelation. I'm going to break that down. It's, 
it's worded weird. And so hopefully, hopefully we can break that down. Hopefully that makes sense though. So, so what this theologian Cooper is saying is he's saying that in all sciences where man is studying an object, we, the man, place ourselves above whatever object we're studying. So if we're studying a leaf, we are, we are above that leaf doing things to it to to have it respond to us so that we can have knowledge of that leaf, right? Whatever, whatever it might be by putting an ant on that leaf, saying if it eats the leaf, whatever. That's not, that's not the case with theology because we aren't studying something that we're above. We are studying something that we are under. And so we are dependent on that thing that we are under to give us knowledge of itself. And so that's God. And so we are dependent on God to give us the knowledge of himself so that we can study him. Does that make sense? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep reading. Without revelation, man would never have been able to acquire any knowledge of God. And even after God has revealed himself objectively, it is not human reason that discovers God. But it is God who discloses, who discloses himself to the eye of faith. I absolutely love that. And and I think this, I mean, this makes sense, doesn't it? Like we are finite human people who, who live a certain amount of time. It's really just a speck on the timeline. If you look at it realistically, our finite human brains would be incapable of comprehending something infinite unless that thing or that person who is infinite gave us the, the ability to know that that came from himself. I hope that made sense. I stuttered a little bit. Basically what it's saying is we are dependent on God revealing himself to us for us to know that he is God. And he does that in two ways. He does that in two ways, special revelation or divine revelation and general revelation. Now this Oh man, we get into some murky waters here. Uh, divine and general revelation. I don't want to spend a ton of time on divine and general revelation, um, just because there's kind of there's kind of um, there's kind of there's kind of a lot of differing opinions, and I didn't think so. I thought that this was I thought this was kind of I don't know. I thought everyone just kind of knew that general revelation was one thing and that special revelation was the other thing, but there's a lot of debate within the Christian world. Uh, There's a lot of debate that I've had at seminary. Uh, Fun story. Um, There, we went to an event last year. I have a podcast on it. It's called Crossover. It was in Dallas, Texas, and I spent like two weeks there, and it was an awesome event. And our, the professor who was leading it, his name is Dr. Hildreth. He is, he's actually been on our podcast. He talked about a book that he released. He is an awesome professor. He, he is, he's just a brilliant man. He's the head of the Great Commission uh, Center here at Southeastern. Seriously, just a brilliant mind. And I look up to him uh, for a lot of things and in a lot of ways. Well, he said something that kind of sparked my, sparked my thought. He was like, well, general revelation, it's not a thing. Like, that, like general revelation is not a thing. It's just not, it can't be. And he starts walking through scripture and all these students are like, what, like what, how can that be? And like Dr. Hildreth and all these other students were like not debating, but like having like helpful conversation. It was really good. And the, the students left, like there has to be like, he's wrong. Like Dr. Hildreth has to be wrong. And so I was intrigued. And so I, I scheduled a lunch with him and we just sat down and we just talked about it. And uh, when we sat down and we started talking, I just realized that there's a difference in semantics, which in theology is unfortunately the case in a lot of instances, a difference in semantics. Um, And so 
it, it, it's really it's really interesting. But basically, general revelation is the idea that God reveals himself to us generally through the create through things that he has created. So, for example, you know, trees and grass and dirt and rocks and all these things uh, reveal to to the human heart that there is a God. Um uh, that's the most simple. That's, that's the most simple explanation, and we see uh, biblical examples of this. We see all throughout the Psalms, really, where it talks about the rocks will cry out. You know, we see examples where you know the trees and the stars testify to the glory of God, one hundred percent. And uh, we get to Romans one, and it's a really interesting passage. And I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but Romans one gives us a huge glimpse into the idea of what general revelation actually is, or what it actually isn't. And so, uh, general revelation, um, before sin had entered into the world, God's creation was sufficient enough for Adam and Eve to know that there is a God. However, now that sin has entered the world, we have been blinded to the things of this earth. And so God had to give us like a, a, uh, a sequel that is more divinely inspired or, or was given to us divinely through the scriptures. And uh, we'll get to that point in the, in the systematic theology in a second. But I want to read some of Romans 1 and uh, hopefully, hopefully, this, uh, hopefully this makes sense. So uh, we'll start in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So sin, our unrighteousness, suppresses the truth. Here we go. Verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So get what get what Paul is saying here. He is saying that God has made himself clearly revealed to us through the things that he has created, uh, namely his invisible attributes. Um, and so, and then he goes on in verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and foolish in their hearts were darkened. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, remembering mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Um, and so... And so basically this this can be this can be interpreted as well creation was sufficient enough but then we sinned our unrighteousness took over our body and we were blinded to the things that were once made plain to us and so now we are masked we are unable to see God clearly revealed in nature now as Christians, as believers, we are unblinded and we can look at the world and see how it testifies to the glory of God, 100%. However, to a non-believer, there is absolutely no way that a non-believer could look at a tree and say that Jesus died for them and, and that caused him to repentance. There is no way. Absolutely no way. And even if, and even if they did think, oh wow, like this tree is awesome. Like there has to be a God. A God had to create this. That is an idolatrous God that that person's mind conjured up to attribute to creating that tree. It's not the God of the Bible. And so yes, uh, creation might be able to point to a creator, but it does not point 
directly to the God of the Bible because of sin. And so we needed another means of knowing God. We needed another way to know who God is and what he's done for us. And that's what we have laid out to us in scripture. I hope that made sense at least a little bit. I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read a little bit, uh, more, um, all our knowledge of God is derived from his self-revelation in nature and in scripture. Consequently, our knowledge of God is on the one hand, um, oh man, ictipal and analogical, but on the other hand, also true and accurate since it's a copy of the archetypal knowledge, which is required, uh, which God himself has of himself. Um, it's really, it's really interesting. Um, man, I really, I really love, I really love this section. And so divine revelation then is, uh, what we have, what we have found in scripture, what God has given to us in scripture. Um, here, here is, here's a really good line that I absolutely loved. And then I will read one more section to hopefully give us better clarity. So Louis Burkhoff says the one is addressed generally to all intelligent creatures talking about general revelation and is therefore accessible to all men. The other is addressed to a special class of sinners to whom God would make himself known in salvation. Talking about divine or special revelation. The one has in view to meet and supply the natural need of creatures for knowledge of God, but the other to rescue broken and deformed sinners from their sin and its consequences. So one general revelation is sufficient to know that there is some type of God, but that's its extent. There, there is no saving power in general revelation. Divine or special revelation is what is what Louis Burkhoff says right here. It is to meet and supply the natural need of creatures um, and to rescue broken and deformed sinners from their sin and its consequences. Special revelation is rooted in the redemptive plan of God and is appropriate and is appropriated only by faith. I absolutely love that. Um, and that is found in the New Testament and only found in, well, only found in the Bible, Old and New Testament, because the Old Testament also proclaims the Bible. Um, all right. I want to read one more section for you guys in this, in this section, and then I'll, def I'll define general and special revelation one more time. And then we're going to go because I got a lightning game to watch here in like 30 minutes. So here's what Louis Burkhoff says. It's a larger paragraph. I'm going to do my best to read it. It's really, really good. The reformers rejected the dualism of the scholastics and aimed at a synthesis of God's twofold revelation, both general and special. They did not believe in the ability of human reason to construct a scientific system of theology on the basis of natural revelation, pure and simple. Natural and general revelation are the same thing, just so you guys know. Their view of the matter may be represented as follows. As a result of the entrance of sin into the world, the handwriting of God in nature is greatly distorted, obscure, and obscured, and is in some sense the most important matters rather dim and, in, and illegible. So let me say, let me talk about what that means. It basically just means that once sin has entered in the world, God's handwriting, his, his mark, the thing that made God known in creation, in nature, was distorted. 
because of sin. Moreover, man is stricken with spiritual blindness and is thus deprived of the ability to read aright what God had originally and plainly written in the works of creation. Those are those blinders that Romans 1 talks about. In order to remedy the matter and to prevent the frustration of his purpose, God did two things. In his supernatural revelation, he republished the truths of natural revelation, cleared them of misconception, interpreted them with a view of present needs of man, and thus incorporated them into his supernatural revelation of redemption. And in addition to that, he provided a cure for the spiritual blindness of man in in the work of regeneration and sanctification, including spiritual illumination and thus enable and thus enabling man to once more obtain true knowledge of God and the knowledge that carries with it the assurance of eternal life. This might be my favorite section so far in this systematic theology. Louis Burkhoff is saying essentially that uh, what was once clear God's handwriting across creation was distorted when sin entered into the world for two reasons. One, um, the actual nature, like the, like God's creation was, uh, was destroyed in in one for one word uh, to describe that was destroyed when sin entered into, into the world. So we see natural disasters, hurricanes, death, uh, these things entered into the world, distorting the creation that once had so evidently proclaimed who God was. And then also sin entered into the world, blinding man and obscuring what had already been distorted because of sin. And so it was, it is impossible for man in his fallen state to look at, at creation and see God's clear handwriting across the earth. It is impossible because of sin. And so I love the word that Louis Burkhoff used. And so God republished, God republished his supernatural works in something that man was more able to understand, was better equipped to, to handle, um, could more evidently use and uh, to, to uh, save his people from the consequences of death. And I loved that word republished. And when he republished it, he did it, uh, he did it through his scriptures. He did it through his divine supernatural revelation. That is the word of God. Absolutely. 100%. I, um, I, I really love that. So general revelation in a sense, it can expose to us that there is a creator, that's that's all that's all general revelation can do. It, it it tells man that that there might be something more out there. Um, and that's in the best case scenario. There is in absolutely no way that a tree is going to reveal the person of Christ to a, a human heart. There's absolutely no way. However, and that's because of sin. That's because of sin. But God republished his truths that were obscured by sin divinely and supernaturally through his word so that man could could then again see God's redemptive plan in history and receive Christ as Lord in his life. And that is done divinely through his word. Supernatural revelation has the power to save. Supernatural revelation is in the word of God and in nothing else. So, 
I hope that uh, that helped illuminate maybe some confusion on the topic. I absolutely love this topic. I think it's really interesting and I would love to do another podcast on it. Maybe when we uh, when we get the chance, I have an awesome opportunity to sit down with uh, Tim Chalice here in the next few weeks to talk more about systematic theology. So I hope you guys will tune in to that episode. We also have a few more things in in the works with maybe some professors at, at Southeastern and um, some other things that that we're working on to get some awesome guests here on the show. If you are if you're interested in just sitting down and talking with me, maybe doing a podcast with me email me. I would, I am always open to recording with people. I absolutely love it. I love talking to you guys. I love answering your questions and I hope to see you guys next week. Uh, make sure you find me on grace-nation.com. You can find us there. You can pick yourself some gear, uh, fresh pod every Saturday. I'm going to start saying that now because doctrine and devotion hates it when other podcasts say that. So fresh pod every Saturday, make sure you check us out next week. We're going to have some articles posted for you and you can, uh, you can check us out on our, on our website, grace I kind of mumbled that. So decipher it yourself. Guys, I say this every week. You are beautiful and you are one of a freaking kind. Until next time, take care and God bless.